Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. I'm your host, Neve Brannigan, and I'm joined with the Jerry Maguire. How are you this week, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, I'm grand. Thanks for asking, Neve. Um, yeah, the what, an, what an intro. I'm the only You're welcome. one. You're welcome. There is been no other Jerry Maguires in the history of the film industry, and that's how we're going to keep it. Okay, personal question. Did your parents... When did Jerry Maguire the film come out? <laughs> I was like nine or something when it came out. Oh, okay. So actually you are the OG. I am, of course. I'm the OG and the G stands for Jerry. Okay. We'll tell 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 that to Tom Cruise. Um, in other news, what a week for us. And I am claiming it. I feel like I personally have been nominated for an Oscar. That's how amazing it has yeah. felt this week. Honestly. We, oh my God. It's just been, I watched the video of the team behind the quiet girl finding out in the Stella and oh, I yes. broke my heart crying. Oh my God. And I don't know, I don't know why it's that one in particular. Is I think it's because it's, one, it's an Irish language film yeah. and the Brits can't claim it because <laughs> um, they can't understand it and then also it's just like it just it's it, yeah it's just so Irish and it it's is. just great it's just so so brilliant it's amazing like okay all of the BAFTA and, and Oscar nomination things which I guess we'll talk about a little bit now are completely amazing but it, that just feels like such a homegrown like you know wouldn't have happened if all the stars didn't align to tell this completely Irish story in, you know, in the Irish language. And yeah, I mean, I think the Irish language element of it is super important, but it's also just something that resonates so much with all of us who are Irish people who watch it. You know, mm -hmm. whether you read Foster at school or whether you just watch The Quiet Girl in the cinema, it's just something, it's just a really special thing. And it, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm nominated for an Oscar now, somehow. Yeah. Isn't that oh, I'm, claim I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. <laughs> this might be the closest I'll get to it, but sure, look. Um, so let's start with our BAFTAs because those nominations came out first. Um, we have uh, After Sun, um, Banshees of Inishirin, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, say. Um, it, they're all up for Best Film, yep. Outstanding British Film. Um, our Best Actors as well is full of Irish talent. Yeah, three out of six are Irish. Amazing. Despite what How BBC news is that? <laughs> oh my god, BBC at it again. It's been zero days since, <laughs> since the, the Brits have been at it again. Stop claiming everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a that's an amazing uh, performance in the BAFTA nominations there. Yeah. So, so strong. It's incredible. It's incredible. Who else? Who else is up for BAFTAs? Jesse Buckley, isn't mm -hmm. uh, a BAFTA for women talking. Yeah. And what else have we got in there? The Banshees of Inisherin is nominated for Best Film, Best Director, uh, and it has four acting nominations for Colin Farrell, Barry Keoghan, uh, Brendan Gleeson, and Kerry Condren as well. Wow. That's Basically incredible. Average. Yeah. Kerry, a woman from Thurless, just doing it, doing us proud. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's and then, the, you know that that BAFTA um, outstanding British film category. It's the one where everyone basically decides whether they want to be British enough to be in that category, isn't it? <laughs> it's just like. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, wait. Where is Martin McDonough from? So okay, the thing is, he's London yeah. born and raised. Like, um, but for the purposes of award the award system he is either irish or british as it suits him and mm -hmm. that's that's fine dual yeah well, yeah that's fine that's fine in the same way that you remember gravity was like was a british film like that year as well because loads of it got made in a vfx studio and somewhere somewhere in london so it was it was, in the, it was in the bafta um british film category that year as well so Very it's always that it's all that category always has that it's a bit wild, all right. Um, but Paul Meskell and Daryl McCormack are also up um, for um, Best Actor, which is amazing. It's class. It's just it's class. just so, so great. Taking over. And then taking over 
whatever about in the UK, over in the States, we're going, we're, we're going across the pond. So the Oscar uh, nominations came out on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I think everyone was really like, as I was saying in that video, you know, because mm-hmm. the Quiet Grove was read out last. And, you know, you could just feel everyone was like, oh, my God, you know, what if we didn't do it? And regardless, even if it was nominated, it doesn't like it's still just the most beautiful film. Um, But just the just the satisfaction of just all of them getting recognized um, and the recognition for just how beautiful a film it is, is just I'm so proud, Jerry. It's like the journey has been worth it, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All those long hours we put in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, congratulations. And because, like, because I think Column and Cleona and Harry and Catherine Clinch and everyone involved in the film have all been like, they've been people that we've talked about um, mm. a lot this year and we've done events with them and made sure the people in London have been able to see it more at our mm. events and stuff. It does feel like something that we're kind of invested in so yeah, yeah. and that also can... like we were ahead of the game so because they won best film we they won best film at our awards so you know ahead of the game and it's also cherry on top it's the first irish language film ever to be nominated for best yeah. international feature that's it um and for i think a language that we felt for years we were losing Mm-hmm. I think this is really, really special. Um, and if anyone is interested in hearing more about that, um, we have a podcast dedicated to to that whole subject matter of Irish language um, and Irish language films. So definitely go and check that out. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just such a great week. So proud, and I just think it's finally all of the talent that's uh, that's here on our little island is is yeah. getting recognised. It is. And some other great news um, in Sundance, uh, which we briefly mentioned um, in our last podcast, was uh, John Carney's Flora and Son was screened, which went down incredible standing ovations um, and and everything. And it entered into a fierce bidding battle and it sold to Apple for drumroll. Is that over oh, me? Right. I thought I, I was gonna let you say it. I see, because I because I wasn't looking at the Zoom screen. When ah. Okay. Eye contact. Ooh, eye yeah. contact. Should we do it again? Okay. Yeah. Okay. A cool twenty million US dollars. So there you go. Amazing. So yeah. so great. Another that's, one. I'm that's awesome. Like very excited to see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The trades were all over that this week from Sundance. Mm. Big deal. Big deal. And also, actually, um, Diff will be starting soon. So we'll have loads yeah. to chat about as well um, in the coming months, which is great. But another going thing... Are you going to go to some Diff screenings? Yeah, I'm definitely going to try, for sure. Are you go definitely going to go, though? I'm definitely going to go. Very good. Um, I booked tickets to go and see God's Creatures anyway. Uh, that's going to open it. So um, definitely go to that. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get some sort of podcast of that film. Mm. Um, but that would be brilliant. But yes, we'll have loads to chat about. But February's going to be a great month for film because Diff will be happening. But also our St. Bridget's Day Festival yes. will be happening, which we briefly chatted about last time as well. Indeed. Um, but let's kind of, let's give our listeners another little rundown yeah. um, in case they've forgotten. Indeed. So at the time of recording, it is just a week away from our St. Bridget's Day 2023 programme. So get your tickets while you can for the following great events. On Friday, the 3rd of February, we are screening the Future Tense at Riverside Studios. On Saturday, the 4th of February, we are screening Only Child, also at Riverside Studios. Uh, the directors of Future Tense, Desperate Optimists, are going to be there on Friday night. And the director of Only Child, Andy Ames, is coming to Riverside from Toronto, lads. So come down to see that on Saturday evening. Then on Sunday, there is a double bill of events at the Rio in Dalston. We have our short film program on at 1.30 p.m. And we have a really special screening of Hush by Baby, a classic Northern Irish film about women's rights by Margot Harkin. That's screening at 3.30 p.m. That screening is in partnership with our friends at Bird's Eye View. And Margot is going to be in person for a Q&A with Dr. Emmy McFadden of Sheffield Hallam University. So everything that we're doing there comes with a value-added Q&A activity. So, you know, come down and support a not-for-profit organization and grab a ticket 
amazing that's going to be so so great and then you have some online stuff as well which is really great for people who uh, who aren't in the uk yeah so if you can't watch the shorts with us in person at the rio on the sunday they're available on irish film from home all the way through the month of february so irishfilmlondon.com forward slash irish film from home and speaking about irish film london which is all we do um a way that our listeners can support us so if you're if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself god these guys these guys are great um let's let's help them out uh if you enjoy our podcast and everything we try and create and bring to you you can just simply share it that's all you gotta do we're not you know I mean, money always helps, but we're not even, we're not even getting there. We're not even asking for that. Just share it, share it on your social media um, tell your friends about it if you think they might be interested. And yep. uh, yeah, that, that goes a serious, serious long way. It does. A regular old social media share is mm-hmm. a legitimate form of supporting a podcast like this. So please do it. I think people are always looking for new podcasts as well. Of course they are. Um, yeah. I've listened to every song on Spotify, so all the podcasts now, please. <laughs> so this week's interview, Jerry, you caught up with John Wright, the director of the new supernatural horror film Unwelcome. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners might recognise John from his previous horror films like Grabbers and Robot Overlords. Mm-hmm. How was uh, your chat with John? I really enjoyed this. It's been a while since I did an interview for this podcast um, on me, Todd. But it was yeah, it was a really nice chat. Um, John took like a good half hour or so out of his release schedule this week, and we caught up about about loads of stuff. Really, um, we talked about genre and we talked about like the film itself and everything. Um, so John gave me this like sort of businessman synopsis of the film, um, which. Um, I'll give you this sort of, it's like the publicity logline for it. So um, Mm -hmm. it's about a married couple called Maya and Jamie who escaped their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland only to discover malevolent and murderous goblins lurking in the gnarled ancient wood at the foot of their new garden. So, So look, in this interview, I think I have to say this before people listen to it, right? If we're going to talk about it at all, it's only fair to address the the elephant in the room with this film on Welcome, or rather, maybe it's the leprechaun in the room. Um, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I might have been slightly unfair. You're such a dad. You're I know. so. If anyone didn't know, Jerry's a dad. Okay, there's dad jokes. <laughs> no, but like. But I was maybe slightly unfair to John by asking him a question about leprechauns in the interview, but he was kind enough to, and polite enough to entertain it. And mm-hmm. um, like the reason I bring it up is because anyone who's watched the trailer, we're unwelcome. And we'll try to put the trailer in the description of this podcast episode so you can you can see it straight away. Um, it does have a smack of leprechaun lore of it, but it's mm-hmm. like I've seen it and it's categorically not about leprechauns. So... You know, but if and when this opens in a big US chain like an AMC or a Cinemark or whatever, you know, people will probably not be saying, oh, it's the Irish horror about the tiny goblins. They might just go straight to being like the leprechaun film. But mm-hmm. it's really good, right? The cast are all excellent. They're all really well chosen. Hannah John Cameron and Douglas Booth, um, they both act their socks off. Colin Meaney is great as the baddie. And then you've got this brilliant supporting cast made up of Jamie Lee O'Donnell from Derry Girls, Christian Nairn, who plays Hodor in Game of Thrones, Chris Wally from The Young Offenders, Neve Cusack's in it as the wise old woman who warns them about all the danger that's coming. They're all great. The locations are stunning. There's loads of tension in it. Like I think it's a film that has all these layers that John and Mark Stay, his writing writing partner, have have added in, which mm-hmm. makes it all the more rewarding when you get to the end. Like it's, I think it's a really well written film and it connects all the dots of its narrative really nicely. But and like John talks about this a little bit, but it's like they connect it up in this kind of subtly subversive way, which is mm-hmm. why the goblin thing doesn't feel sh- like schlocky despite there yeah. being weird little monsters all over the place. So, so yeah, I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed this interview as well. I guess it could be, it's, you know, such a comment on how important trailers are. That's a really good point. Yeah. You know. Um, and this trailer has yeah. been around for like over a year, actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There was a film, um, Timothy Shamalamale and quite recent one. Yeah. Bones, but uh, uh, bones and all. Yeah, 
Uh, have you seen it? Not yet. I wasn't expecting. Oh, okay. Did you not? A lot. Yeah. Well, like I, I, like I kind of did, but I didn't. I didn't think mm-hmm. it would be that kind of yeah visceral. So I feel like I got sold. Yeah, sold a pup. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, trailers are very very important. <laughs> Although once again, you know, you can't be giving everything away. But uh, but it is yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation. Actually, we could talk about that another time. Yeah, how. How trailers sometimes can just look like a completely different film. It's quite interesting, uh, yeah. and I guess that comes down to editing um, as well. You know, you, you shoot one thing and you you uh, you shoot one film, you make another in the edit. That's it. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, I look forward to listening to it. Um, listening to it, and um, I will speak to you very very soon. Nice one. Thanks, Neve. Thanks, Jerry. Bye. If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films, and invites to networking events, and so much more. So check it out now. So John Wright joins me today for our podcast. John, thank you very much for taking time out of your release schedule for your new film, Unwelcome, to talk to us. Thank you for having me. No problem. So, right, let's get into this. Um... Unwelcome is a film that we have been aware of at Irish Film London for a little while. And I'd love to know what you, I would love to know how you describe the film in your own words. Well, the very, the super short description, which is the one that we actually used when we were out pitching the movie to potential financiers was uh, Straw Dogs meets Gremlins. Okay. <laughs> and does that, um, does that hold up? Do you think, is that the, the still the, the description you'd use for it? I think so. Yeah, I just read a review that said uh, the director's very apposite uh, description and repeated it. So the okay. person who'd seen the movie seemed to think that it fitted. But I, I would say, you know, obviously those are quite old movies, and this is uh, feels to me at least to be a uh, a more modern film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it feels to me like a very sort of contemporary take on this yeah. kind of story and fits in with the the tone of would I say this maybe the tone of contemporary horror I suppose yeah definitely I, I would have said it um one of the big influences on me and one of the reasons that I sort of had I got fired up to make a horror movie again mm. was watching things like I don't know like hereditary or, mm. or get out or uh don't breathe or midsummer or the Babadook yeah I really enjoy that kind of modern take on the genre where they are genre films, they are horror movies and they definitely sit within the genre, but at the same time, they are quite thought provoking. They kind of, they have something to say about modern life and about modern morality and the way we live, you know? Yeah. And they couldn't really have been made um, back in the day, you know? Yeah, totally. Isn't there this industry phrase for films like that? Like around the time that the Babadook and stuff was coming out, there was this industry phrase where those horror films were called elevated genre horrors. Yes. You know? And I think we're at the stage now where every every new horror film, like it looks at the success of these breakout horrors and almost everything is either traditional or elevated now. So it's almost not fair to call these standout films elevated because there's so many of them. They're, it's just a, a different yeah. approach now, right? I guess so. I think I think there's still unelevated films being made, right? You know, that's designed to frighten you and don't don't do a lot else. But um, yeah, that's definitely how I saw Unwelcome. Mm. And you know, there was a time in horror, I'd say around about the sort of torture porn era, where it was hostile and sore, where I was kind of I was going off horror a little bit, right? Yeah, and I was starting to think maybe I don't like it as much as I used to. You know, when I was a kid. Because mm. I'm really not into these kind of super cruel films that don't seem to have a lot of heart and humanity. Yeah. Um, but the pendulum has, sw- has swung as it always does in horror. It always swings back and forth. And and um, I I got very excited by some of these movies. And what I particularly found exciting was I found it hard to know where the stories were going, which mm. my sort of bugbear with contemporary blockbusters, particularly is you sort of 
you, you can't necessarily predict the story, but you have a pretty good idea. You kind of know it's yeah. going to be A, B, or C. Mm. And you've seen it all before, and then when it's there, you go there. It, it turned out to be B. Yeah. And um, I really like films where you, you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't necessarily know what's going to happen to the heroes. Right. And they might not make it, or they might go through a lot, or you know, just mm. you're just never quite certain. I think there's a real enjoyment in that. It's something very um, exciting and unpredictable when you see a story and you don't know where it's going to go. You know. Yeah, I think that's so important as well for. Um, for a genre like horror, where like it's it's the one for it's it's one type of filmmaking where you must use a certain number of rules yeah. to make your film, and within that rule, within that set of rules, often things can get quite predictable, I guess, as you say. So yeah, you're right. I think that's a really interesting aspect. There's two kinds of films, aren't there? There's the kind that people want the comfort of knowing what's going to happen. There's sort of a comfort. Yeah. Okay. In knowing that James Bond is going to survive to the final <laughs> ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you sometimes go to cinema wanting that, you know, the predictability of a remake. But uh, more often than not, the things that I'm excited by are the ones. Well, the ending of Hereditary, I just thought was off the chain. Like, I just yeah. thought, wow. <laughs> yeah. Really, you, you know, there's no world in which you could predict this. And I, I, I'd like to think the ending of Unwelcome is the same. I think, I think you'd be, I personally believe it's impossible to predict that. Yeah exact sort of the exact events that happen in that final sequence but um i'd hope that at the same time it's kind of um it makes sense you know and it's not logical it's like okay i I get it why that happened that that all makes sense and i understand why that's happened it feels satisfying but i couldn't have guessed it yeah well you've certainly achieved that with unwelcome i think um i'm I'm going to be cautious not to talk about the film with any spoilers in mind because I'm conscious yes. that this is like a pre-release chat, so uh, okay. we won't we won't divulge any information of that kind of people. Needless to say, right? You you will have that experience when you get to the final scene. Yeah, yeah. Um. So how does it compare? How does Unwelcome compare to the previous films that we'll know you for, like Grabbers or Tormented or even Robot sure. Overlords? Is it like a continuation of your style, or is it a new direction or something? Well, I think what's happened for me is I've so I finished Robert Overlords and at that point I hadn't directed any television at all. Mm. I was starting to sort of look at TV and think, wow, you know, there's some really good scripts in television. And mm. it's not like there's there used to be a kind of hierarchy where TV was the poor relation and film was the thing that everybody wanted to do, you know. Yeah. That, that, the tables have really turned on that recently, though, haven't they? I mean, they, they've turned 100%, really, you know, and all the original exciting innovative stuff is happening in television now really yeah so i i wanted to get into that and i got in i've done kind of mainstream television i've done hours and hours of it now mm. and i think in a way that was like a sort of second film school i feel like it it's taught me so much and i've learned so much from mm-hmm. that television experience that when i came back to do my fourth movie um I, it was almost like being a different director really just got a whole different palette and a whole different way of approaching things. And I used to sort of set myself rules when I made movies and I'd say, I'm only going to do this. I'm only going to do that. And now I don't really have a a rule set like that. It's more of a tool set. Even it's like I I react to what's on the page and what's in the story. And I try and express it in the most vivid way possible using any sort of tool at my disposal. And, That's a um, really interesting way to put it. You'd say, you said you've got a, a tool set rather than a rule set. Yeah. I mean, I used to have these arbitrary rules that I'd set. I'd say, I'm never going to, I'm not going to use Dolly and track in this. I'm only going to shoot okay. handheld and steady cam. I'm only going to do this. And it was very, um, I look back now and I think, why did I do that? I just, and I used to be very, I'd always want the same people and I'd want to, work with people I'd worked with before and obviously when I went to television I was forced into working with a massive range of people and often people that I wouldn't necessarily have hired myself you know I wouldn't have chosen to have worked with some of those people Mm -hmm. and just getting into into bed with all these different personalities Mm. was really you know mind expanding I suppose and just gave me a whole different way of approaching certain things and just a ton of different approaches really yeah so i really felt when i came to do this film like um 
I don't know, I suppose simple versions of like I really felt like I knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've made the film, I've been very lucky and I don't think every filmmaker gets this. I think I've gotten to make a film for myself, really. And I mean that in the sense of not, not that I've gone off and made something very self-indulgent mm-hmm. and pretentious that's just like, I don't care what anybody thinks. It's more, I'm picturing myself sitting in a darkened cinema and I'm thinking, what do I want to watch, you know? Mm. You know, what kind of, how would I like this film to be? And I really have, you know, not, you don't get 100%, but I've come quite close, you know, with this to the film that I want to see. And I'd say, you know, you ask what's the difference between this and the, some of the previous things. Yeah. You know, obvious uh, previous Irish movie, although all those films had an Irish component. Um, actually, Tormented didn't, but the but Robot Overlords we shot a lot in Ireland. Yeah. Um, but the, the main difference I'd say between this and Grabbers is Grabbers is a horror comedy. And we go after laughs, you know, and it, it's meant to be funny. And, you know, if there's a laugh, sometimes we chase it. Whereas this one, I don't think it is a horror comedy. I think there's a, a lot of funny bits. Yeah. And I allow, I allow the characters in the film to be funny whenever it wants to be, but it's not really, it's kind of a quite a bit more strange and sinister, I'd say, than that film. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things I was going to talk to you about, actually, because I do think that you use comedic delivery to really good effect, especially through Douglas Booth's performance. I think yeah. that he's... He's a great guy for a, a quick one-liner or a little off-the-cuff remark or something. And it's, you know, yeah. that and his um his relationship with the um the builder guys yeah. in the house, it's it's very sort of, you know, there it's playing on issues of, you know, machismo and stuff like yeah. this. And it does definitely offer another another dimension to the film. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't you, I don't think you normally see characters like that. Yeah. Who are, who are cowards essentially <laughs> yeah you know and he's battling with his own cowardice i mean that was the that was the genesis of the movie really that was the beginning of the movie it was me and mark stay my writer mm. had a conversation where we really were taking the mick out of each other <laughs> we were laughing at each other and ourselves at how big cowards we were okay i had my first and last fight at the age of nine all right okay Soon as as soon as that first punch was landed, I thought, I don't like this. <laughs> and, and I know I'm not going to be any good at it. <laughs> and, and my dad, who was a sort of two-fisted, you know, graduate at Queen's University, who loved nothing better than to have a drink and a fight, right. <laughs> took me out in the garden when I was probably, I think, about 13 or 14. And he said, right, son, I'm going to teach you how to box. <laughs> um, it's time now. And I said, dad, I'm a pacifist. And I've never seen a man so disappointed in my life. Like his shoulders, <laughs> his shoulders sagged. He was just totally crestfallen. I really pulled the rug out from under him. I think he would have preferred it if I'd said I was a terrorist or, you know. <laughs> he couldn't have been more disappointed. And we went back into the house, a very sort of like a funeral march back into the house. Oh, dear. <laughs> and then, yeah, so, you know, I am a pacifist. I, do, I love violence on screen, weirdly, paradoxically. Mm. And I love blood and guts and I I really enjoy it if it's done with heart and humanity and from mm. kind of for real. Yeah. But um Mark and I were we were having this conversation, we were laughing at each other, and then we said, but if our children were threatened, that would be different. And so I have a 13-year-old son and he has teenage kids, and we were like we we both agreed that actually if our kids were in danger, if their li- actual lives were in danger, we would be violent. And not only would we be violent, we'd probably go over the top. You know, as cowards, you'd probably reach for a weapon, you know, a pipe or a, anything that was around, a hammer, you know, and you'd, you'd, you'd try and end that confrontation ASAP. Yeah, yeah. But weirdly, how could a pacifist be in ultra-violent? Which, you know, that was the sort of dramatic question. And that to me was interesting. I thought, I want to take a couple of characters and really put them through that. Yeah. Get them to answer that question. And you've got two different answers in the film to the question, you know. Yeah. What what are you prepared to do when yeah. your lives or the lives of your children are in danger? Yeah. And what I really enjoyed and what I'm ultra grateful to Doug for, Douglas Booth, who played Jamie, yeah. is <clears throat> he played the coward, you know. And he played it honestly. I think 
paradoxically and ironically, it takes a lot of courage to play a coward. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's a... A, lot of, a lot of actors wouldn't do what Doug did. And when we came to shoot the scenes, I sort of thought, and you know the scenes I mean, I I fully expected him to start tweaking it and playing with it and saying, what if I did this? And what if I did that? Maybe I should stand up and push back. And maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't be quite as as pathetic. And but he really he was he's like a he's the looks of a leading man, but the soul of a character actor, you know. <laughs> yeah. He was he was very willing to go there. He just he went hundred percent there. Yeah, uh, he really did. It was a yeah. really enjoyable aspect about going through that that journey with him as a character as well. Yes. Really good. So let's talk a little bit more about um about your great cast then. Um so yeah. you've got Douglas, you've got Hannah John Cameron um yeah. in the other leading role. She's brilliant in it. Um Colin Hannah's, Hannah's amazing. She's probably I would like to think that she'll get some recognition for this for how good a performance it is. And you do wonder because when there's films with goblins and running about with little knives and <laughs> you know, people being disemboweled and what have you, you kind of wonder whether people can see the performance. But I, I really think it's quite special. I mean, she blew me away on set day yeah. in, day out. Like she'd do something and I'd just think, wow, you know, that's a really incredible bit of acting, a beautiful bit of acting. Mm. She sort of treated it like she was playing a, a kind of Oscar worthy drama, not a right. genre, and really lent into it and tried to play the truth of it mm. and so yeah i mean she's quite a special actress i think it'd be interesting to see what happens to her in the future yes yeah, when you were listing them off no i mean it, i'm absolutely I'm very happy that you did because i think hannah deserves all the credit for that um but overall you've got an incredible ensemble in yeah. the film um yeah i'd love to know about the casting process and you know the journey that you went on to pull all these together and well hannah and doug we you know, we had our list and we offered it out and they were near the top, at the top, I should say. And uh, the, with the Irish actors, they re they were the, the top. So yeah. we kind of were like, there's three people who can play Daddy Whelan. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe four, actually. But you, you could probably guess who they are. I'm not going to name names, but... Sure, sure. Like, you can imagine yeah. it's, which of those four are we going to go for? And yeah. and we really, I mean, that's a big decision because those are four really great actors. Yeah. But um, I just thought Colm is the guy really because he really looks like he could run a building firm, Colm. He just looks like so many of those people I've come across in the South Yeah, on my, on my travels. Yeah. And um, also he doesn't normally play a villain. I don't know if I've, really seen him play a villain all that often he's normally plays really like a really good guy which is what he is in real life uh -huh. but that's fun did you see him playing somebody pretty nasty yeah he's got that sort of like that volume in his performance that like can be really really intimidating if you just push it in that direction and i think you've i think you've done that really effectively here with this daddy yeah, he, character he's got that sort of um alpha male thing but it's under the surface normally with Colm right with this we get to really see it come out and I think there's sort of layers that peel away you kind of initially think oh he's quite kind of likable he's got this tricky family you don't ever do what they're told so he has to be quite strong with them all and then the layers peel away and you gradually realize no actually this guy is a properly nasty piece of work yeah and he he comes to teach Maya the heroine of the film Hannah John Carmen's character teach her a lesson which is he does he will do anything for his family you know and he really will mm. he's not joking when he says that <laughs> he's a madman really you know really? so yeah so we had a fabulous cast of our irish character actors you know jamie lee o'donnell from Derry girls and chris wally from young offenders mm. and uh christian nan from game of thrones and they all brought their own thing to it you know and really i felt they all seemed to have a ball on set and really enjoyed themselves with the ability to be mischievous and malevolent and and it's a sort of playful quality the, it's the same with the goblins actually they, are, they mm. have a sort of playful quality when they're doing evil things yeah yeah because they enjoy it yeah you know, there's something really fascinating about characters that are that enjoy what villains that enjoy what they do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't have guilty consciences 
Do you know what? As you say that, when I think about the performance that I've seen in the film, you can kind of tell that everyone is having a good time. Um, in this, I, I can imagine that the set was a fun set to be on, fun set to work on. Like especially yeah. the like the Whelan family stuff just feels like it was just a, a hoot to record. You know? Um, yeah, I think I think that's true. I think I think they were they were sad when the film was over. You know, I think a lot of us were actually. It was you know a hard working set because you don't get you don't right. get a film like that made. Yeah. By sitting around having cups of tea and a chat, you know, there's a lot of a lot of graft goes into it. Sure, but sure. At the same time, it, within that kind of restriction, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I certainly enjoyed having those those guys on set. And Neve Cusack, of course, who plays, oh, she was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, she's amazing. She comes in and she basically has. It's always a tricky job in a in a horror movie or a genre movie where she's got all the kind of hokey dialogue to deliver. <laughs> yeah. She comes in and says things that are really, you know, if you think about it logically, absolute rubbish. And but she's got that kind of gravitas and and that sincerity, and she makes you believe, you know, that she's that she's telling the truth and that she's seen things. Yeah, she's a she's a fabulous actor actress as well. She is. She is. Speaking of mischief and malevolence, I yeah. would like to ask you about leprechauns. <laughs> Yes, of course. Well, you've called them goblins a couple of times now. Um, I mean, yeah. Ultimately, for me, although we have like three or four different names for the the entity, the the fairy tale creature in this film, yeah. is this for you a film about leprechauns or goblins or or what is it? It's it's definitely not a film about leprechauns. It's kind of subverting the stereotype. Okay. So obviously, I'm I've worked in Ireland a lot. I have an Irish family. I am actually technically an Irishman, although I don't sound like one. Um, and I know how much people hate that, the leprechaun thing. Yeah, okay. And I was in Budapest recently, and there it was on a pub. There was a very fictional Irish pub with yeah. a ginger-haired leprechaun on the on the sign outside. Yeah. I thought of my Irish friends and how much that would annoy them. <laughs> so what, what was appealing to me is we found we went digging in Irish mythology and we found these guys, the red caps, who yeah. dip their caps in the blood of their victims. And as you know, you know, I'm talking about violence, and that was our theme, you know. And I thought this is interesting because these guys sound like they like being violent. They're not casually violent, you right. know. You don't you don't commit a murder and then dip your cap in the blood unless you actually you're pretty, you know, a nasty piece of work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 I thought was appealing was I thought this is a on the surface of it, we're talking about pint-sized magical, magical fairy folk. Right. But underneath it, they're actually not nice at all. They're not like leprechaun. They're, they're sort of cheery, charming mm. leprechauns at all. Yeah. It's, it's, if anything, it's sort of subverting that 180 degrees. So that was something quite fun about that, I think. Yeah. No, there definitely is a subversive element in terms of like. So for me, you're you're presenting this film about a couple of English people that move to Ireland and get caught up in this folklore of like little people at the end of the garden and so on. But I think very quickly you turn, you turn around and let us know that that's not what we're dealing with here at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope so. I think, I think there's levels and layers, you know, and that's where we start out. We start out with quite of a, you know, a simple kind of genre premise. And then we go down into all kinds of, layers and delve a little bit and that's to me is what's um you know makes it a modern horror as opposed to some of the films that inspired it you mm. know? yeah it's not it's it, it is riffing on those earlier films but i think it's adding layers of complexity and there's things to think about there you know definitely definitely for me it almost like it fits in well with some of the irish horror films that we've seen recently like we've had some really big irish horror releases recently like one that stands out alongside this might be you are not my mother um which came out uh in autumn last year and we've got films like you know there are comedy horrors around at the minute like let the wrong one in it's just just out in uh in ireland that was our previous episode on this podcast we've got other films like we've got lee cronin's evil dead rise which is on its way soon. Um, Lee's an Irish director. I feel like we've got a bit of a, a pedigree around Irish horror. And there's some decent releases around at the moment. I just worked with the producer of The Boys from County Hell. 
Oh yeah, another good one. Yeah, he's a good guy, and I met the. Um, yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, there's a kind of bit of bit of an Irish horror thing going on at the minute, maybe. Yeah, maybe, and I think I feel like do you know what I mean. I ha- you have to say, I think Grabbers was maybe the first of those contemporary Irish horrors. So maybe it all yeah. comes back to you, John. Yeah, well, that's very kind of you to say so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm very happy to adopt the role of. Uh, of of the Godfather to the to the new Irish horrors. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, I'll, I'll take that on. I'll wear that mantle with pride. Good. Um, good. I'm not sure if I'm not. Yeah, that's a good question. Was was Grabbers the first sort of Irish horror? I don't think it was actually, but I, I'm I'm struggling now to remember back to what what the predecessors were. But mm, I definitely think... say it was a breakout success at at yeah. its time of release. You know, there definitely wasn't that many. Irish horrors on the map, so to speak, outside of Ireland, at least, you know? I mean, what I what I find is when I work in Ireland, I've worked in Ireland a lot um, since Grabbers is, I get a, a lot of the crew come up to me and say, I love that movie. Nice. A lot of the cast, actually. It just, it seems to be, especially when I'm in Ireland, I mean, I, get, I do get it um, elsewhere, but particularly when I'm in Ireland, I get a lot of love for that film. Um more, more than anything else when I'm over there, which obviously I'm very grateful for. Yeah, well, yeah, rightly so, man. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a horror classic in Ireland, I think, or internationally. Yeah, and I think, I think if anything, I mean, maybe it wasn't the first Irish horror. I don't think it was that, but I think maybe it was the first one to take the sort of international version of Ireland, the one that people love. So yeah. if people, you know, international audiences love an English stately home, for example. You know, they love a sort of Downton Abbey with people drinking tea out of China cups and right, yeah, yeah. arguing about what way a scone is buttered. You know, that's the sort of, in, the version of England that that is very successfully exported. And I think there's an equally a version of Ireland that's, that people are in love with, you know. Mm. And while these American tourists fly to the southwest and sort of mooch about the villages there in search of their long-lost ancestors... You know, it's that super picturesque, mm. quaint, and that that kind of version of the Irish personality that's kind of a bit whimsical and 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 philosophical at the same time. And you know, I I think it's fun to 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 go and tell stories in those places that that don't really belong there. You know, yeah. I think Brothers was maybe the first movie to do that. It was certainly you know to take huge tentacled aliens from space. And take them to a sort of very remote, picturesque Irish island. Island, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, if it's inspired um, a younger generation of Irish filmmakers to make genre films, I think that's brilliant. Good, um, because that's I would personally rather see those films than I would to see you know some kind of uh, gritty and depressing drama in a. Yeah. In a Dublin council estate, you know that wouldn't. That's that would be my preference. Yeah, cool, cool. So, speaking of inspiration, I know I don't have you yeah. for much longer. I wonder uh, what your inspirations were. So, I want to ask you, yeah. what your fa- do you have a favorite film? Uh, yeah. And I'm going to also add on to that. So this is what Neve does at the end of all her podcasts, and she's not around today, so I'll have to ask you instead. Do you have a favorite okay. ever film? Do you yeah. have a favorite Irish film? Yep. So uh, when I was uh, back in the early days of the internet, I had a blog and I used to write a lot of embarrassing um, things on there before I realized that people who could give you a job could read that blog. I think we all all went through this process with the internet, you know, in various stages. The same thing happened on Twitter as well. Um, But I wrote a list of my favorite films. Now that list was had 300 films on it oh wow okay and this was about 10 years ago so um you know you could crunch the statistics from that list and uh martin scorsese had the most films of any okay. director yeah i think he had six or seven right but if i had to pick a favorite film then that is really really uh difficult but i'll I, i'll say I mean, it varies. It changes. You can tell. Yeah. You know, I've got 300 favorite films. I've probably got 400 now. I've got, <laughs> uh, I don't know, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 Blu-rays. And I would say wow. all of those all of those films are my favorite films. Yeah. Um, but that isn't answering your question. So 
No, but you're a bit like myself. I don't think I could. This is the toughest question for me as well, which is why yeah. it's so interesting to ask everyone. So, but I'll give you, I'll give you an answer, which I'm just giving you that big caveat that I'm, I, yeah. I, want, to, I want to be able to change my mind. And yeah, I don't, okay. uh, this is only today, but I would say, um, a film I saw as a kid that really blew me away was E.T. Mm-hmm. It just was, it's just, um, just a magical film, you know, it's properly escapist and it takes you on a, journey with these young kids I and mean, we noticed the performances of those kids is amazing it really is apparently you shot it all in sequence so when you get to the final scene and they're waving goodbye to et they are actually crying because because it, yeah. it's the end of the film and they've had such a brilliant time and they don't want it to to end yeah do you know you're not the first person to say that on this podcast as well it's so interesting yeah yeah i think i think also what I've, what's happened to me is i've gotten older so obviously i saw it i mean i suppose maybe what what's in my heart is when I looked around and my dad's face was wet with tears I thought wow and then I looked around the whole family we all watched in fact we all watched it on pirate video cassette which is a shameful (laughs) thing to say but we look I looked around the whole family as the lights came up everyone was crying I thought this is amazing we we united in we've all been moved to tears you know yeah but um as I get older I really appreciate the craft on display in that film because Spielberg is um He's a brilliant director and he's not showing off. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not craft that he's saying, look at me drawing attention to himself. Look at yeah. what a good filmmaker I am. He's everything is in service of the story. Mm. But I mean, he really, at that period in his career, he was a master of blocking like his relationship of the actors to the camera and the way that people would move and the camera would move and the shots would evolve. So the camera very rarely stays still, you know, and the mm. shots, move and evolve and just the the sort of visual storytelling on display is just you know yeah. i love his films of that era yeah i think really, really those are the films that made me want to be a filmmaker Amazing. but if i if i could throw another one in i'd say eternal sunshine of the spotless mind that's one of my Ooh, favorites as well good choice yeah because it because i i love films where they, it delves into psychology you know i think that's always what interests me most in movies really is and I think it's where I try and go in my own films, whether I do successfully or not, I don't know. But I've, I'm really interested in what people feel and think under the surface, you know, away from we all behave a certain way in civilised life and we kind of have to. And But what's really going on under the hood? That's interesting. Yeah. I think that film is just beautifully written and performed. And it's re- that's really something, that movie. Absolutely. Um, do you have a favourite Irish film to throw in the mix? What, what, what have other people said, just out of curiosity? There's <laughs> a real range, actually. There's like people talk about very old films and people talk yeah. about very contemporary, like ones from the last few years. There's a lot of commitments and some stuff like this, you know? Okay, so I think for me, I think my favourite would be The Field. Hmm. With Richard Harris, yeah, I just think you know he was such a interesting actor. He was absolutely mesmeric at the beginning of his career. He was, wasn't he? In, yeah. Um, it's this sporting life, isn't it? The rugby film. Yeah, extraordinary in that. He's like a bull. He is like a bull. You know, he plays Bull McCabe later. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's just he's like Brando, really. Yeah. He's just, but the Irish Brando. I mean, what could be cooler than that? <laughs> He's just, you know, exudes confidence and masculinity. And then, of course, he gets, like a lot of Irish people, he gets seduced by the demon drink. Yeah. yeah. Became a proper alcoholic. Yeah. And, you know, I remember Tarzan the Ape Man with Bo Derek, which is surely one of the worst films ever, with Richard Harris literally rolling around on the floor, <laughs> shouting his head off, absolutely incoherent, with Bo Derek desperately trying to drag some sort of modicum of sense out of him she can't get him to do anything and he's literally yeah. just rolling around the floor shouting shouting his head off at the top of his lungs so drunk doesn't care yeah there's a sort of an amazing kind of freedom to that not in a good way really mm. and then he sobered up and he, i don't think he completely gave up alcohol but i think he cut it right back to nearly nothing mm. and then rocked up in um the field and just delivers the performance of a lifetime he's just brilliant in that movie he really is it's it's a, such a standout performance for any 
for any for any film really. But it's, I think it's really interesting what you've done there is you've chosen so you chose E.T., Eternal Sunshine, and The Field, and they're all films that that like have standout, like really really strong standout performances in them. So I wonder if your film taste, or maybe your personal taste, is based on like those kind of strong performances. Yeah, I mean, I love I love actors and I love acting. I'd say, but I love all of the elements of filmmaking. So I'm kind of a, like an obsessive nerd. I mean, I can really talk about the technical side of filmmaking and get into it on a granular level, you know, ridiculous level. Mm-hmm. So I probably do have a condition that's never been diagnosed. That's something I've <laughs> joked, I've joked about a lot. Right. That you know, I'm very happy to be high functioning. Yes. Never, never been. Ne- they've never found out what's wrong with me. <laughs> but but um yeah i i i do love actors i suppose that i think i think probably of all the thing of all the elements of the camera work and the the music and the set design and all of the different arts that go into filmmaking mm. i think probably the acting is i wouldn't say it's the most important because i think they're all important but i'd say it's probably my favorite yeah mm. and i do love actors i sort of i'm quite introverted really and um, I don't, I don't like attention when I can avoid it. And so um, I sort of have a great admiration for, for the way that they're able to reveal very personal things about themselves in mm-hmm. front of a room full of people. Yeah. You shoot a scene on set, there's so many eyes on you. Yeah. And if you, for example, play, you know, what it is to be anxious or what it is to be really upset or what it is, people see how you would really feel about that. Mm-hmm. Very personal, you know. Yeah. They get to see, that with the best actors, they just show you how they really feel about it. And, you know, I, I would cringe to the tips of my fingers and die if people learnt that stuff about me. Yeah. So I think it's kind of amazing what they do, really. I think the, so. the best ones make it look easy and everyone thinks it's easy. You know, all the all the people outside the industry kind of think Brad Pitt just rocks along and he's just like a cool guy and that's it. Or Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, they're just kind of cool guys. And I think that's the fact that they've pulled off that um, illusion is amazing. Yeah. Well, on Welcome's Out this Friday, the 27th, am I right? Um, Yeah. And... You've got some great performances in there too. So, of course, we do encourage everyone to head down to the cinema and see it. Uh, it's on general release, so you should be able to see it uh, pretty much everywhere, we hope. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your release preparation schedule to come and talk to us um, on the Irish Film London podcast. We really appreciate it, and we hope we'll chat to you again soon. My pleasure. you got two good words there. you got Irish and London. So that's that's what drew me. <laughs> nice one. Okay. Yeah. Thanks Good for thanks for your time. That was fun. Thanks, mate. Cheers. All right. And that's it for this week's interview. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme. Myself and Jerry will be back in a fortnight with a brand new interview. See you then.